and welcome to episode 127 of Laps Gamer Radio. I'm your host, Mark Hamer, and I've watched The Meg twice in the last 24 hours. Um, I watched it a second time because I... Well, I need to, probably need to watch it a third time. I'm still not entirely sure whether any of the cast are human beings or not. Uh, joining me on today's episode, Nick Case and Andy Piddy. How are you guys? Hi. Good, thanks. Hello. Have either of you seen The Meg? No, no. I want to. Apparently, it's got Jason Statham in it and and Rain Wilson and other people that I've seen in other films. But, you know, in um, the uh, Edgar Wright film, uh, The World's End... Yep. Mm-hmm. Like the uh, the replacements, how they're not quite right. They're not quite human. Yeah. Uh, that's what everyone in this film's like. Yeah, but but the like, staff is not human at all, is he? No, but like I know he's a machine. Um, but he's he's usually quite a charismatic machine. And I I've, I don't know whether this is because I had the same problem with um a lot of the cast in the wall, and. That was another film that was made as like a joint venture between Hollywood and the Chinese film industry as something to be appealing to both markets. And I don't know whether it's something to do with that, but it's like the director told them, don't be human, be a robot. I don't know. It's it's really bad. Like I expected it to be entertainingly B-movie bad, yeah, but, but it it's was, not. But you watched it's it twice. Just... Yes, because I, I watched it. For, I, I figured like... I don't know. Maybe I maybe I was half asleep the first time I was watching it because I was like, "Were there people in that film?" Because the shark appeared to have more personality than any of the cast. <laughs> so yeah, I watched it again, and um, yeah, even like you know, y- you know what you're going to get usually with Jason Statham, but you don't get any of that in this film. He's just like really bad, really really bad melodrama, and a- occasional really bad one-liners. And he doesn't get to be Jason Statham at all. It's a really dumb film. Uh, anyway, uh, <clears throat> should we talk about video games? Because that's what we're here for, apparently. Um, Nick. Hi. What have you been playing? Okay, so... Um, I'm a, <laughs> where to start? Where to start, indeed. Uh, I'm a bit of a latecomer to this, but uh, recently there's been a sale on Game Pass. Uh, you can get three months for a pound which is actually quite a decent deal, really, for the amount of games that you can get access to. Mm. So I thought I would dust off the old VCR. Uh, sorry, Xbox. VCR? What the hell? Have you seen the then. size of those <laughs> bloody Xbox? They're massive, and the amount of heat like that pump the out. ones, yeah. Anyway, so I thought I'd dust it off and, uh, you know, get some games downloaded on it, because we've literally only used it as a Blu-ray player since we moved house, like, two years ago. So, uh, I just started downloading random games willy-nilly, and uh, one of them caught my eye because I remember being very excited when it was announced, and then seeing a lot of really bad things written and talked about it when it was actually released, uh, which is We Happy Few. Now, We Happy Few is uh, a game essentially about some kind of dystopian uh world future i guess it's set in britain um or meant to be um and it's essentially about this dystopian future where everyone is on joy pills it actually kind of reminded me of a doctor who episode uh from the david tennant run i think where um everybody had different pills for different emotions when they wanted to feel different ways um and actually a lot of the 
um, writing in it is quite Doctor Who-ish, so I can see them maybe potentially being quite influenced by that. Mm. Um, it's a very conflicting game for me because I want to really, really enjoy it and I want to be really into it. Um, the writing is really quite decent. Uh, the premise is very good. And the world they've tried to build, I can see where they were going. It's quite quite nice and fleshed out. So I think they've got some very talented writers on their team. Unfortunately, they didn't get some very good... Well, I'm not going to say they didn't get some very good programmers, but it was clearly <laughs> something went wrong in this game somewhere because it's just not finished. And it's lacking that final polish that most games that you see get. It really is, you can see the difference between sort of, they've tried to go for not triple A, triple A, but sort of double A. And they've missed that mark quite considerably. You, you, do you know what I mean? You kind of, you get indie games, which are indie games, the nice small flesh polished little things. And then you get sort of lower, bigger games, shall we say um the yeah the the um yeah the double a yeah sort of where they get they there's more money put behind them uh but also there's that slightly bigger expectation uh and Mm. level of polish and design and stuff that needs to go into them yeah but they're usually like some of my some of my favorite games like of the past have existed in that sort of yeah. Not quite AAA, but not indie sphere because like Mid-tier. they've had a bigger budget, but and um, but they haven't had the constraints of a AAA studio. So they've been able to try interesting things. Exactly. And they usually don't manage to put it off that well, but at least they tried. Yeah, and usually you get a decent game out of it, which you can yeah. you you can enjoy from start to finish quite nicely. But unfortunately, mm. it's almost like they had this double A. Um, budget and like you say you normally get they don't have the constraints of AAA but it's like someone is behind them saying we need to release this game now well they did they had uh, 2k didn't they yeah it was Microsoft Microsoft published it did they I thought well um, I thought it was 2k Microsoft bought bought out Gearbox was it Gearbox yeah, because it's on uh, PS4 as well. It was like uh, it had Xbox exclusivity for a while while it was in early access and maybe a bit further. It's all Randy Pitchford's fault. Yeah, it's all Randy Pitchford's fault. It is. Everything is Randy Pitchford's fault, right? Um, <laughs> no magician's tricks here. Um, so essentially, yeah, it's like I say, I I am I'm enjoying the game, but I can see a lot of cut corners and a lot of bugs. Um, I know when it was put out, it was kind of, it wasn't the complete experience they put out at first. It was like a um, survival beta early access mode. And I really don't Mm. think that helped them because the finished game from what I've played really isn't a survival game. It's very much a uh open world but with a linear story there's some exploration but it it still funnels you through this just story path um there's not really any survival elements i've picked up on um purely there's crafting but it's 2019 there's crafting in every game these days 
there's resource finding, but again, it's 2019. Potentially, if, if it had released a few years ago, people might have been calling it a resource management type of survival game. Mm-hmm. But it really isn't anymore. Yeah, when it when it first sort of stumbled out of the blocks in early access, and it was very much a sort of survival-ish game, mm-hmm. a lot of people likening it to um, there's a game... From a good few years ago, called uh, Sir, you were being hunted. I think it was called. Yeah, yeah. So it came out like that sort of game, and and people hated it. And then they put it back in the oven for a bit, but obviously not long enough. Yeah, I mean, like there's there's a decent story linear path, which is quite nice. I'm enjoying the writing. I'm enjoying the dialogue and um, all the written stuff, but. The actual, the rest of it is just terribly, terribly implemented. It's, mm-hmm. for example, um, in between two ta- quests, tasks, whatever you want to call them, uh, you had to, I had to walk essentially from one town to another across nothingness. And so I started running because obviously you want to try and get there faster. But then halfway through me running to this place, it literally just stopped with a loading bar for about 10 seconds and then let me carry just reloaded exactly where I was and carried on as if it was trying to load the scene in. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many things like that. I, I was even walking down the street, walking down the street in an already loaded city and it did the exact same thing. It's not good. <laughs> it's not even, they've actually scripted dialogue um, before it does this as well. But the character says, Oh, I just need to take a rest. Even though your stamina bar is still half full. Um, it, it's like th- they've kind of made made dialogue for you to uh, enjoy a loading screen. Um, and there's loads of just little bugs and things that I know the developers wouldn't want the game to be like this, but unfortunately it is out and it's been out for over a year now, I think, in this state. And it's not good enough, really. It's really not. One of my favourite ones is... Um, they let you save the game anywhere, um, if you want to, obviously. There's checkpoint saving, but they let you save the game anywhere. So I was in like an enemy encampment, uh, without trying to give too much of the story away, in uh, hiding, and there were quite a few guys around me, so I thought, I'll do a save, and then if anything goes wrong that I don't want to happen, I can just reload the save and try again. So I did that. Um, and I got spotted by some people and it ended up dying. So I was like, right, I'll just load, reload the save. So I reloaded the save, waited. By the way, the loading times are terrible. I waited for about <laughs> two minutes for the save game to reload. And then it spawned me back at the beginning of the level. And I was like, oh, that's not good. Um, so that's all my progress in this level down down the toilet. And then, so I reloaded it again to make sure I'd got the right one. So that's another two minutes of loading. Um, and then I actually realized that it had saved the game. It just didn't save my position in the level. So it had spawned me back at the beginning of the level, but all the progress that I'd made within the mission had been saved. Right. However, so this mission, I had to go into this hut and find something and then go and do something else, and then go back to the hut to escape. I'd done the first part of that, so I'd got the keys or whatever I needed to get. So I'd done that, 
and I was on the way to the second objective. So what happened was, what, what happened was I found myself um, going to do the first objective again and get the keys, but then I noticed that my waypoint was off to the second objective, but all the guards that I'd killed on the way there were alive again. So it hadn't saved my position. It hadn't saved what guards I'd killed. It hadn't saved what items I'd picked up because I could pick up items I'd already picked up and were in my inventory. Mm. It's little things like this that just make the game feel a bit buggy and incomplete around you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm having a very conflicted experience with We Happy Few at the moment. Um, but I'm, I think I'm going to push through it and persevere because on on the general gist is it's a good game if you can overlook these failings, if you will. Um, if you can sort of see light of them and have a, a laugh. Sometimes the loading screens get a bit annoying, but other than that, there's nothing game-breaking in there, really. Mm-hmm. Um, apart from if you want to save scum, essentially. Is the writing strong enough to push you through the, the, the gameplay? Because I've played games before where the, the game wasn't great, and if the story hadn't been compelling, I would have just stopped playing, but I carried on playing because the story was compelling. It's... Or at least, or entertaining, at least. It's entertaining, it's good comedy, um, it's mm-hmm. British comedy. Um, think kind of <laughs> Doctor Who, um, but sort of Russell T. Davis Doctor Who, not Moffat Doctor Who. Oh, good, because Moffat's a hack. Um, so if you kind of, it's a bit campish, it's not, it's not amazing award-winning writing, uh, but it's enjoyable um, on the light side of things. So I... I it's free uh, if you've got Game Pass. It's free. It's well worth a download and just to sink your teeth into for a bit and have a good time uh, if you can get over the loading times and random glitches here and there. Hmm. Well, I might give it a try. It's, it's just that it's the problem with Game Pass is that there are so many good games on that service now that uh, it's even playing something bad for free means that I'm not paying something good for free. Mm. Or not for free, but you know what I mean, uh, for the cost of entry. So I'll give it a try at some point because I'm I'm intrigued by the writing and the aesthetic. It's got a sort of, it's very sort of um, provincial but 1960s sort of trippy vibe about the game from what from you know from the artwork and the and the trailers and things like that that I've seen. Yeah, and it it does that quite well. Um, so I think if if you just give it a download and just give it half an hour an hour to see how you like it, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised um, hmm. once you get over the frame rate. Uh, that might be a stumbling block. I uh, I tried to download um, Ark. Uh, survival evolved uh, uh, well i did try to i did download it i downloaded it on xbox one x and even on that console the frame rate was so juddery that it made me feel ill and i had to uninstall it immediately so we'll see i'll give it a try though what else have you been playing then nick so the only other game that i've sunk any kind of time into uh is another game pass game uh which is it's an oldie this time viva pinata right um good old xbox 360 launch title i think um from the rare people um Mm. always make good games interesting games Mm -hmm. uh this is actually one i i got it with my 360 back in the day 
um, and I really enjoyed it back then. So I thought, you know what, I'll I'll go down the nostalgia path and enjoy some Viva Pinata times again. And do you know what? It's still it's still a nice game. It's really nice. Everything is lovely. The graphics, I was very impressed at how the pinatas looked and the kind of furry shader they put on them still looks quite good today. Have they done any work to brush it up? Because they have done on a lot of those uh, no, 360 it's, games. That it's a through. straight uh, 360 on on Xbox One game. Okay. So it's, it's even the kind where when you start the game up, it launches with the Xbox 360 logo swoosh and... When you unlock achievements, it's 360 achievement bar and stuff like that. It's it's literally just the 360 game, but it's on the Xbox One. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a very nice game, and always always happy to recommend it, especially if you have young kids. Uh, they'd really really enjoy it. The only thing for me is that. Uh, We've come quite a long way in making games in the last sort of 15 years or so, with uh, tutorials especially. Um, back in the mid-2000s, uh, we still had sort of the last um, wave of games that were sort of, especially kid-friendly games, it's very much a tutorial for every single thing you do. The first hour of the game, you sit down and it's basically... Here is how you plant a seed. Click this mm-hmm. button. Oh, now uh, this kind of piñata has come along. How about you do this? And very slow, very um, very tutorial heavy when it was kind of... Uh, it was nice that, obviously, it's been more than 10 years since I've played the game. Um, so, obviously, it was very nice to be able to remember some of the things... But in this day and age, I'm very much used to now just here's the game, go and learn everything for yourself, um, which probably is just shows a lot of how far we've come in game design. Um, these days, you just kind of expected that a game will teach you everything it needs to know without the need for lots of speech and scrolly text um, there to tell you what to do. And I think we probably just didn't have that. Um, very long ago and it's kind of it didn't put me off the game but it certainly made the first hour of the game quite slow um, mm. but obviously when you get past that it's it's just such a good fun game collecting all the pinatas and romancing them the little mini game to go and romance them you've got to um, sort of have you have a worm and you've got to Make your way through a maze um, to to get to the the other piñata of the same kind. Essentially, you you pick two piñatas, you put them together, and you just kind of smush them uh, in this maze. So yeah, um, it's it's quite fun how they've distilled everything to make it kid friendly. I suppose it's it's like The Sims but more animally. <laughs> can you take a large stick to him? Yeah, can you hit him with a stick? Uh, you can hit them with a spade. Right, okay. Does the stuff fall out of them? Like does does loot fall out of them like in Fortnite? Not loot, but they've oh. they've got health, so I think you'd kill them. Um cool. there is one guy called Cedos, uh, who gives you who comes and plants seeds for you. And you can hit him as much as you'd like and he keeps complaining about it, it's quite funny. Okay. <laughs> 
Uh, see, I've never played any of the Viva Pinata games before. Uh, my other half's a big fan of them, um, so I've got them downloaded. So she's she you know she can sit and play them when she's over here. Uh, but I've never played them before. I thought I, I just assumed that it was going to be like a zoo tycoon sort of game, but with Viva with Pinata animals instead. It sounds um, like it's not really that. Yes and no. Um, I mean, the essential gist of it is you have a garden uh, mm-hmm. that you can plant stuff in. So you plant different types of seeds and uh, trees and things like that to attract different types of piñata to your garden in the hopes that you will then be able to breed them. So you are kind of making a zoo, a piñata zoo in that respect, but there aren't any kind of... Um, you don't just say, I want a lion enclosure here and I want... Um, do, do you know what I mean? It's it's not mm-hmm. a tycoon-type game. It is, it's about tr- building the right environment to attract them. Right. Um, more than it is saying, I want this kind here. You, ju- you, just, you have to go through the steps to make your garden viable for that type of piñata to come here. Okay. And then romance them together because then you get more of them and you get achievements. Make them fun. Yeah, basically. Yeah, genetic engineering okay. essentially. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's even uh, there's so even... like Jurassic Park. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like an evil scientist making new. Yeah. All right, that sounds uh, sounds interesting. I mean, I'm not going to go out and say it's like the greatest game in the world or anything, but if if you're but they're kind of well loved. Yeah, they? just I mean, looking for a cute game to play on a Sunday afternoon or something, yeah. then uh, especially if, you, again, kids or another half who likes animals or something, then yeah. Mm. Uh, my other half actually, um, back in the day, she got a thousand G on it, which when one of the tro- when one of the achievements is for playing the game 50 real time hours that's yeah wow. um yeah it's quite a lot then it's yeah. a lot of hours i'll give it a try i've got yeah, i've got uh, viva pinata and viva pinata 2 um are both on game pass so i've got them downloaded and sat on the hard drive so i don't know maybe this weekend i'll give one of them a try yeah andy me oh well yeah how many warhammer games have you played this week <laughs> one um <laughs> I didn't actually expect you to have played one, but I should have known better. Of course you have. <laughs> well, after entering the gaming equivalent of a desert with the occasional waterhole this year, I've entered a virtual oasis at the moment in the last couple of weeks. So mm. I've been off work, so so I've been completing games left, right and centre and playing them. So first one I've been playing for the last, um, since the start of the year, is King's Quest. Um, managed to complete all the chapters now, including the epilogue. Um, I've talked about this in the previous show. Um, essentially, you it's divided into five chapters plus an epilogue. You play as King Graham. Um, it's um, sort of like a, the Walking Dead type of game, the Telltales type of game, but published by, made by Sierra, and it, it is probably the best type of game that I've played of that ilk, of that genre. Is it very narrative heavy, or is it more like a traditional point and click um, narrative adventure? It's sort of thing? narrative and puzzly, and each episode is quite different. Oh, so there are puzzles then. That's yeah, what I mean, because there like, are puzzles. Yeah, because the, tell- the Telltale games kind of did sort of at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then they just gave up any pretense of their 
of uh, being a point and click or, or a you know puzzly adventure sort of game and just went straight down the narrative route. No, there are puzzles. I mean, episode four in itself is just one long puzzle. That's good. Um, so, and they're all quite different. Episode four is like a bit of an ice princess, bit of a frozen take. You've got a bit of a Rapunzel take on it. It's very English, very Monty Python-esque. I mixed in with um, Princess Bride. Um, you've got the actor from Princess Bride, Wallace Shawn. Um, the guy, he was not... He's the little kidnapper who kidnaps a princess. Yeah, uh, the, the one who's uh, inconceivable. Yes, that that's guy, one. Yeah. Yeah. You've even got a throwback to um, the chalice scene, you know, the goblet scene from Princess Bride in, thrown into it. In yeah, the, the, the poison. Yeah. yeah. So essentially you play as King Graham. He's talking to his granddaughter about his past adventures. He's old. And just looking back in the past. So it's got all this Princess Bride type of thing. I mean, it's just really, really good. It's a lot of fun. You can't really fail at it, but it does take some solving as such didn't for me I just used a guide because I just wanted to follow the story um, but overall it's a very good game like I said the first episode is free um, probably about a game probably takes about over 10 hours so mm. there's a lot of gameplay to it <laughs> and it's a shame that there's no sequel to it I don't think it sold very well because I was just looking because Activision this was one of the games that Activision said Sierra is coming back in you know, the old classic publisher and apart from a couple of other games they haven't really done anything since so I don't think that division will do a sequel to this mm. but um, it is excellent you know the jerks the craziness the stupidity of it is just really good it's kind of a dead well not dead but like a neglected genre like yeah. back in the, the the sort of the 90s that sort of funny Point and clicky sort of puzzle adventure thing, yeah. sort of stuff that like Lucas Arts used to make. Were you know there were loads of them, yeah. um, but these days you kind of well you don't get those anymore. Like Telltale were kind of doing it, but then they gave up. Like I said, any any pretense of putting yeah. in any puzzles or anything like that, and it was just the narrative stuff. And that some of that was written very well, some of it wasn't. Um, and then you've got stuff like Life is Strange, which is yeah. has got the narrative and the puzzle elements, mm. and is very well put together. But it, there, there's nothing lighthearted really about about those games. No, they're, they're quite quite serious story. Um, well, this is so does this feel like a bit more of a throwback to like sort of like Monkey Island days and stuff like that? I've played Monkey Island, but from what I understand, it is a bit more. It is a mixture of narrative. Well, like, and um, did you play Grim Fandango? Yes, it's a bit more yeah. like that, yeah. Okay, that's good. It's a bit like that, you know, you can't really fail, you just have to keep going. But without all the horrible pixel hunting you have to do in yeah. those old point-and-click adventure yeah. games, yeah. But, um, oh, that's good. It's um, good. I have to check it out then. Hmm. Like I said, the first episode is free, I think the first episode is also yeah. given away on PS Plus. It's, it's a lot of fun, you know. I'm not saying every joke hits, I'm not saying all their writing is strong throughout every episode but overall mm. it's a very good game especially for laps gamers because it's a fun story if you're a big fan of monty python if you're a big fan of princess bride you will love this game okay so i'll add that one to the ever-growing list growing list <laughs> and uh uh second one i played victor van um playing this with my brother so he came over yesterday um all we had to do was beat the end of game boss 
Um, this is Diablo 3-esque, one of those right. double-A yeah, games yeah. we've talked about before, where it's not as good as probably up at AAA like Diablo 3, but it's not as bad as, or potentially as restricted as an indie game. It's a fun game. Is this the one that's sort of like a bit Van Helsing-esque? Yes, right. yes. Um, the vampires, and you just explore different regions, and there's loads of mm. challenges it gives. Um, but all we have to do is cover the end of game boss. Um, and the end of game boss, you have to kill it twice. It's just one of those things where you just think, you know, can't we just go back to the old days where you kill the boss once, and why do I have to do it twice? And the second time, it's even harder, and it just takes loads and loads and attempts to kill it. Not attempts, but loads of it just has. You know, when you see the hit, mount, the hit bar, it just never seems to go down. Mm. Yeah. But it is going down. You, know, you can tell you're hitting it because it, it produces the numbers like 200, 300, or 150. And you're like, but it doesn't do anything. So this guy must have like 50,000 hit points or something. Mm. But overall, it's very, um, it's really good. And we also played the DLC because I got the physical version, the Blu-ray version, and it comes with the DLC, two DLCs part of it. One DLC we didn't play because I read about Fractured Worlds. It's sort of like four areas, but you have to play every single day, so it randomizes the areas to complete the story. I think there's something like that in Diablo 3. I just couldn't be bothered waiting and playing it every single day. But we played through the Motorhead through the ages. So this is DLC with Lemmy, um, the Motorhead um, band. And as you play through this um, four different areas, you've got Motorhead songs being played in the background. Um, I'm not, I don't know much about Motorhead. So there's, uh, all you Motorhead fans, I do apologise, but something about Snaggletooth, I don't know. And mm, also, know yeah, but it's Lemmy versus the Fiora. So it's Lemmy versus Hitler, essentially. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you are you come in as Victor Vran and you help Lemmy. Because Lemmy's taking a bit, bit of a time out. Um, you can unlock guitar weapons, etc. It's a lot of fun. It's short. It's about, it takes about an hour and a half and all that. But if you get the physical version, it's worth playing. Fractured Worlds, like I said, wasn't attracted to. But the motorhead went through the ages because you go through a Western zone, you go through a World War Two zone, and so on, but essentially you're fighting with Fiora. So, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's worth it for a, an hour, an hour and a half play. Um, then, I've also played the Sexy Brutal. This is, um, let me see, Groundhog Day meets Columbo meets a mask. <laughs> okay. You are in this theatre as such and you have been brought back to life and you are wearing a mask and everyone's wearing a mask and the masks give you powers that's why it's called you know mask but there's murders happening in this theatre and you have to go and save these people um the day and it's all all happening in one day and the day will last in real time, nine minutes. In game time, it's about 12 hours. So it lasts from 12 to 12. Even though you can change the, the game length as such. But once you get to 12 midnight, the game 
resets itself to the start and certain changes you've made or certain discoveries you've made will affect how you um, you can how you solve and save the person from being murdered. So what you do, you go around, you listen um, to conversations, you peek into rooms, um, you figure out the movements of the person being murdered and you figure out the movements of the, per- the murderers and you come up with a solution that will eventually save that person. Once you save that person, um, you progress on and you go to the next couple or single person to be saved. Um, it's very good. Um, it's not a long game, it's about six hours. Um, clues, you have to read quite a bit. Um, you get special powers, so certain masks will give you extra super hearing. So you can hear um, secret codes, secret passwords being typed into them consoles so that you can come back later and unlock it certain ones will give you like extra vision and so so you are unlocking or un, you're able to pick locks so you can go to different areas of the uh, mansion as such so that's where the groundhog day element comes in the columbo is the investigation part um who's murdering how they're murdering um following it and then trying to save that person um, the mask element is the mask gives you special powers. Um, so it's a puzzle type of game. It's all set in like um, how would I call it a Final Fantasy Tactics type of view. Um, it's very Japanese esque um, graphics. It's cartoony, but it's a lot of fun. Um, mm. Highly recommended. Mm. Okay, it sounds interesting. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's short. I mean I'm, I've only got two people left to save. As mm. such, it's not going to take you forever um, in terms of completing it. And like I said, each day will only last nine minutes in real time. Mm-hmm. So, And you can actually start the day yourself earlier. So if you've figured out enough clues, you can click, press L2, I think it was, and you can start the day again and work to save that person. It is a bit of a puzzle solver. It's good. Is it on Game Pass? I'm not sure if it's on Game Pass. I've got the. Some, I'm playing it on PS4. I got. Um, right. I, I managed to get a pile of games last year when, like I said, Granger Games shut down. Um, mm. Music Magpie brought, got all these extra games and we were selling off for cheap, like three, four quid. So mm. I managed to get a pile of games because of that. And that's one of these games I managed to get. Okay. So, yeah, it's worth it's worth a playthrough. It's yeah, it sounds interesting. It's, it's good. Um, the other game. And this, I remember seeing this um, at E3 mm. a couple of years ago, published by EA. It's from the guy who did Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons, which is brilliant. one of one of my favourite games, yeah, possibly ever. Yeah, brilliant. I think we did. Um, did we do a podcast? A we did. We did a, yeah. a playlist episode on it. Yeah, go listen to that. But um, see so yeah, how good it is. This is by the same guy. Um, it's called a, a Way Out. Now, this is a co-op game, proper co-op game. You have to play it co-op. Two different ways you can play co-op is couch co-op, or you can play it online, but only one of you needs the copy of the game. Hmm. So what will happen is the other, if you have a, I own a copy of a game. I got my brother to download the demo of a game, which is a full game. But I send him an invite 
and through the magic of the internet and through the magic of the PS4 and all these computations, he's allowed to play through the game as if he owns the game. Yeah, there, there was a similar sort of thing on um, Far Cry 4. Four. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Far Cry 4, yeah. Where, like, you could, you, a, a person, you could invite someone to download a client, mm. uh, the, the game client, and they could play co op online with you. Right. But they couldn't, I don't think they could unlock trophies or anything, and they couldn't play the game or any right. of the game single player, you know. Right. Yeah, and the Far Cry was a limited session as well, so you could only play for like two hours or something oh, okay. at one time. I'm not sure. I've, I haven't played it online, we've just played it couch co op so far, but. Well, good yeah. thing is... That can... seems probably like the best way to play it rather than trying to play it online. Is there matchmaking, by the way? I'm not sure if it's matchmaking. I think you have to send an invite. So you okay. have to let that person know that... Pick that person, right, download this mm-hmm. 16 gig file, and then you send the invite. I don't think there's matchmaking. Um, but one good thing is you can play couch co-op <laughs> and take that save and use it online. Right. So looked at it yesterday, and you could do that. Some games you can't transfer your yeah. save between online and couch co-op and so on, but you can do with this one. So essentially, this game is very generic. You are a prisoner. Something has happened with a person called Harvey, who's done something to you, and you're going to escape and take him out. So it's a very generic prisoner escape. Um, fugitives so we've only got to the fugitive bit where we've been chased by the police Um, you meet your partner and the story itself isn't great I'm not going to say it's the most um, Oscar winning script or BAFTA winning script I've ever heard but you know there's certain elements where you are trying to nick a tool and the other person has to look out and distract people for you. And if you can't, you just get knocked back and you have to redo it again. Um, there's nothing really too difficult about it. So you're essentially just playing through the story, a bit like Brothers, where you know, you're know you not going to fail as such, but you just have to redo certain things if you fail. Mm-hmm. Um, but where I suppose where the fun comes in is doing... The co-op bit, you know, you are working together um, to escape prison, first of all, um, then work together to escape the police. Um, you got a couple of choices. You come to a choice once when you're escaping the police. Do you either go under the bridge or do you take a car and go over the bridge? So there's nothing, but there's nothing that would... Do those choices make any effect on the gameplay? Like, um, so like... Uh, I don't know if you ever played Until Dawn, but like, I've got it. Uh, various, it. okay, various points during that, you'll be the character that you can control at that point will be presented with two choices, and the choice that you make has like very profound effects on mm. what happens to other characters. Yeah, I don't think there's anything like that. I think it's just, I think to unlock the trophies, you would go back and play that particular chapter because you can go. Mm. And a lot of trophies, but overall, I think it's just a single playthrough, and nothing really changes or affects the whole storyline. Like I said, we're about halfway through. It's another six-hour game, so it's not a massive game. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I know certain people have been disappointed by it, but when you're playing with somebody, you can sort of forgive certain things. You know, it's something a bit different in a co-op style, whereas normally you're, you're either killing everything on screen, just about. Um, with this well, one... I, th- I think a lot of the, the frustration or disappointment that people had with it is that Brothers was from a gameplay perspective was so inventive because it was a single player co-op game where you know, mm. you're controlling the two characters at the same time with the two halves of the of the controller and that aspect becomes quite important to mm. the storyline yeah. without giving anything away to anyone who hasn't played it like and that combined with the fact that the story itself was like really quite moving and the, from what i understand the storytelling in a way out is kind of generic and not very good mm. it's generic i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie I'm not, so far it's very generic it's very mm. he's a tough guy i'm not sure what period of time is it feels like the 50s not exactly sure um, kind of 60s, a run-of-the-mill yeah, yeah sort of americana yeah prison break but written by someone who isn't american and doesn't yeah. fully understand it if you want a different type of co-op game because there's, you know, you know yourself what co-op games tend to be like. It's like, you know, apart from, you know, where I, most of it, the majority of them is just shoot and beat everything up. That's what they tend to be. And it's, you know, mm. you can forgive. This one has you working together and you're doing different things. The screen itself is split down the middle. So while one person at the start is talking to one person, you're talking to another, you're discovering little things. There's little you can do different exercises. So it's it's very linear. You do little different things, but as you play through it together, you're having this shared experience. And it's, I mean, there's not many games that make you escape a prison. I know there's been in the past. There's one being for the PS2 from World War Two. Was being the escapist, I think. There's a whole section of Uncharted Four. Yeah, well, I haven't played it yet. Um, okay. Spoilers. Yeah, and then there's this. So what I will say, it's very difficult to get on physical um, disc. So if you're going to get it, it's probably going to be best to get it on digital. Mm. Um, the physical discs seem to have shot up in price, especially for PS4. But it's a fun game to play. If, and the fact is that you only need one copy of it. Makes it, you know, like most co-op games, you have to have two copies of a game. This one is one copy, so you could go halves in it. And... It's a nice, if you want to play that type of um, Shawshank, Prison Break type of breakout type of game, where, you, where you're trying to break out of a prison and you're looking out for guards and you're warning them, the other person, oh, look, guards are coming, you have to stop you know, with your little screwdriver and tool digging out the toilet behind it. Now yeah. all, I can, all I can hear in my mind is Morgan Freeman saying, Andy Dufresne. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny if you can pick it up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sixteen pounds now. I think on the PS, PSN. Yeah. If you got eight pounds, no, it's 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 one that I've absolutely wanted to play because it seems interesting, mm. and it's by the developer of a game that I I absolutely adore. But at the same time, from what I understand, I'd be quite disappointed. Well, by yeah. that, or maybe if it hadn't been, maybe if yeah, if if, if it was if it was just out there on its own. Mm. Um. 
probably would have got less of a rough ride than by the fact that it is by the developer of a game that was so I can't understand over overstated at all. Brothers is incredible. If you yeah. haven't played it, then like you need to play it. It that game is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and this just seems like it's just kind of okay. Yeah, but it's nice to see that. I mean, the the director who he made sure that he won it co op, and mm. he directed that you would only need one copy of a game. Yeah. And it's published by EA. And EA agreed that. It, all right, you only need one copy of a game, so that's you know straight away you're affecting your sales there. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it's nice to see. I mean, like I said, I'm going to see how the story pans out. It's very generic. It's worth playing. It's an easy. It's an easy playthrough. Okay. And the final one is a Warhammer game. It was my number one of last year. <laughs> um, I've been playing some DLC with my brother. Um, I'll tell you what, this is a. F- Tough game on the DLC. Yeah, but. I remember. I, I play, play. Is this uh, Vermintide One? Yeah, this is Vermintide. Yeah. I remember when we did uh, when we played through some for the for the uh, LGR play and mm. um, getting th- those the, the the rats that have the sort of like the the ones that like loop a rope around yep. your neck and then drag you off and hang <laughs> you. Like, oh my god, they're the worst. Me and my brother's been playing some of the DLC and we've been trying to complete certain levels and you play it through and because there's no checkpoint saves in it you can fail it you can get close to the end and you'll fail it i've just put x number of minutes or hours into this game and it's just put me back to the start so we had another go on it the other day and some randoms joined us and the ai is good but when you play with other people it does help you know a hell of a lot Mm-hmm. And we've completed a couple of levels in it, um, and we're just going to work through the rest of the DLC because it's like loads of it, loads of DLC on of it. But um, and these DLC is quite hard. It's a lot of fun. Mm. Still, I'm still enjoying it. I um I didn't play enough of it to really get into it. I, I played a, like what we played, mm. um, you, me, and, and Adam together, and then I played a little bit of Vermintide Two because uh, they're both on Game Pass, and I just wanted yeah. to see. <clears throat> well, there was much of a jump forward. Like, graphically, there is quite a bit of a jump forward uh, on Vermintide Two. Not to not that the first one is an ugly game at all. It's it's not at all. Um, but I, I can't really remember if there is any sort of upgrade system or anything like that. Any sort of progression system, right? Okay, there because is. that's the that's the thing. It's like. That's the thing that 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 that, that, that sort of game probably needs that um, games that it following on from like Left 4 Dead didn't have. Yeah, like you could play Left 4 Dead, you could play the same. You know, you could play Left 4 Dead for for you know hundreds of hours, and you, mm. you you never get anything different. It's like every level would play out pretty much exactly the same. It was just based on the the gameplay, yeah. the fun of that, which you know, which was great. Uh, and nowadays, it's the sort that's the sort of game. It's what I'm wondering about the new um, game that's coming out by the developers, uh, Turtle Rock or Turtle oh, Beach yeah. or whatever they're called. Not Turtle Beach, they make headsets. Um, Turtle Rock are making a new Left 4 Dead, but not Left 4 Dead because Valve won't let them make a new Left 4 Dead. Uh, and like people are like discussing like the sort of things that they would need to add in to mm. bring that game up to the modern day. Um, and some sort of progression system is kind of vital. So yeah. Vermintide's got that. Vermintide's got that. I'm not, it's not very clear. I think Vermintide 2 improves on the progression. 
Um, mm. But there's ways you can forge new weapons. Right. You, I mean, because I've changed characters so much, I think the dwarf have been used, upgraded. He's got this axe, basically almost like one-hit kills. Um, so there's things like that that you can progress and you can forge new weapons. You get experience points. So these are type of grind that you have to go through. But essentially there's also... Each time you could go through, you can get you can get through to the end, or you can get caught. But what I did notice this, as I played it more this time, it felt like you were in the old world, like you were fighting mm. hordes and hordes and hordes of rats, and it just felt really good just to go out and just kill loads of rats. <laughs> the heft of the weapons enough. as well, really mm. good. So I'm still having loads of fun with it. And, it's one of those that will just be like an ongoing thing, but the DLC for it um, is really good. It's worth it. I would quite like to see a, like, I've never played one of these, but I've watched quite a bit of other people playing, like, the Space Hulk games. Uh, um, I've got and like, I'd like the idea of, like, a, yeah, Warhammer 40k Space Hulk style, mm. um, you know, Left 4 Dead knockoff. Mm. Well, not knock up, you know what I mean? That's sort of like four player cooperative shooter where you're working through a level, but in the Warhammer 40k world. Mm, I think there's something like that. Um, Space Hulk Deathwing Enhanced Edition, right? I think it, I haven't got it yet, but so many Warhammer games, it's mm. insane. Well, it's I don't those... know any, any like single franchise that has spun off so quite as many games as Warhammer has. Yeah, I mean some stick, some um, some shit, you know, quite plainly. But mm. um, they've they used to be quite protective of the license. Um, but now, now it looks like anyone could make one. Anyone can make one, but at we least could probably make one. Probably, but at least we're trying with it. We're like mm. getting it out, and the ones that are good rise to the cream of, to the top, like Vermintide. You know, mm. it's sold. I think oh, well over a million copies. Mm. You know, so and Vermintide Two is even, I think, even more. So I mean, you know, I mean, there's Total War Warhammer, sold loads, and we're doing the third one of that. So there's different. So the good ones will always rise, and this, I think something that Star Wars should have maybe really done. You know, they did it a bit, but this maybe this is just a slight, just splattered loads of games out. On what's, what's no, good, they've just called. let EA dick about with the license yeah. for the last ten years and put out <laughs> two rubbish. No, well, no, two rubbish. Two very, very average shooters, and that's it. Yeah. So, I don't yeah. Know. but it's good. It's good. You know, if you enjoy, if you just want a bit of a, I just want to go kill off rats. Just have a blaze about. Yeah. Have a bit of fun. It's good. Yeah, I enjoyed what I played of it. Yeah. I'd like to go back. Um, we'll have after. Yeah, for sure. And that's it. Okay, um, I've been playing a few games. I'll write them through them quite quickly because there's a couple I want to talk to talk about a little bit more. Um, so I've been playing a bit of Path of Exile, which, like Victor Vran, is another uh, Diablo-esque sort of game. Uh, Path of Exile is a little cleaves a little bit closer to Diablo. It's basically a Diablo knockoff, uh, but free to play and with uh, probably the most complicated progression system i've ever seen in a video game did you uh, either you ever play 
was it Final Fantasy X that had no. the sphere grid system? Nope. No. Okay. Well, anyone else who's played it will, will remember that. Um, if you took that system and then multiplied it by 10, that's what the progression system is for uh, for, for uh, Path of Exile. And the first time I loaded it up, I got lost. I couldn't find where the first node was to start upgrading because it's just a mess of upgrades. Um, <clears throat> what that does mean is that, like... You can pick you pick a character from the beginning, like a, one of a one of like five different classes, I think. But then the scope you've got in which to build that character out is has the potential, from what I understand, to be far more diverse than a Diablo game is. Like uh, if you pick like if you play like a wizard in Diablo three, there's maybe four or five viable like end game builds for that character. Um, and they change up every now and then when the meta changes and with new seasons. But there seems to be a hell of a lot more scope just because of the sheer number of talents and abilities that you can unlock for the different characters uh, in Path of Exile. I will say I've, I loaded up first uh, and picked a melee character, like a Templar or something like that. I can't remember what it was. Started playing and absolutely hated it and considered just uninstalling the game straight away. Um, and then loaded up again and rolled a new character and was playing like a, a, a you know, um, bow and arrow sort of rogue character and playing, at least in the early game, playing a character who can do damage from range was a hell of a lot more enjoyable than playing a character who was like sword and board or, you know, melee based. Um, and the, the abilities, at least first off, but early off seem a lot more entertaining. Um, it seems pretty cool. Like, there's a lot there. Uh, the 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 money, like real world money element of the game is only for cosmetics, which is kind of cool. So you can play, you know, an entire Diablo esque game for free. Uh, uh, you know, people have put in hundreds of hours and never paid a penny. Um, obviously, people must be buying stuff, otherwise the game wouldn't have existed for the last like seven years or so um yeah it's it's you know it's decent it's it's not quite as immediate and as fun and doesn't have the same sort of feed like like visual feedback uh as a diablo game does it's a little bit rough around the edges there's things like you let go of the stick and your character doesn't stop immediately like it has to finish the movement animation for so that cause problems uh sometimes like um it can get a little bit fiddly when you want to pick items up or if you want to talk to a specific character especially Ooh. if you go into the hub area because you go into one of the hubs and you're in an instance with lots of other players uh, and so you'll keep on inspecting players by accident rather than talking to the npc that you want to because like you let go of the stick and your character has to finish making their two-step animation and the character doesn't stop immediately um after a while, like when you're actually out in the world playing it, it doesn't seem that much of a problem. It's just a minor inconvenience when mm. you're in towns and, and, and whatnot and when you're wanting to pick up a specific piece of loot but not other stuff. I imagine it's probably a hell of a lot easier to navigate that stuff using keyboard and mouse, but on controller it works fine. It's just, it's it's not Diablo. It doesn't feel as tight and as polished um, and as fun to play as Diablo, but it's Ooh. free, so, you know, Check it out. Why not? It's just come out on PS4, isn't it? It's just come out on PS4. Yeah, and that's what I've been playing on because I've got a couple of friends who are playing it on there. 
it's been on Xbox for a while and it's been on PC since like 2013 or something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, check it out. You know, it's, it's worth a try. Um, been playing more Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I pledged that it's okay at Momentum and I will get it finished. Uh, from what I understand, I am only four or five hours away from finishing the game. Um, so I can tick that off, but then I've got like a million and one side con- like side things to do and there's stuff stuff to be done that, that is even higher level than the final boss in the game, apparently. So there's plenty of stuff to go on after that. And then I've got an entire DLC pack to play, which is apparently another like 20 to 30 hours worth of game. Oh, she put it to already. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Like the save file says 115 hours, but the Switch says I've only played it for 60. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I, I trust the Switch clock more than the in-game clock. So I think the in-game clock may have counted time when it was suspended as well. Uh. Possibly, I don't know. Um, but I've probably played about 60, 60, yeah, between 60 and 70 hours of oh. it. Um, and it's it's a really really good. Really interesting JRPG um, with some... Okay, so all of the voice actors in the English language version are... Well, almost all of them are made up... Like, the different nations have uh, different accents from around the British Isles. So the main character, Rex, has a very thick Yorkshire accent. <laughs> and then one of his companions has got a Welsh accent. Another one's got a Scottish accent and, and so on. Um, and I like that. But some of the the quality of some of the voice acting is real bad, um, and the characters in battle do not shut up, uh, and uh, to the point where they had to add in an um, an option later on in the game to turn to, to separately adjust the volume of battle dialogue because they're just yapping all the time, like the moves that they're pulling off or you know uh, calling out cheering you know like cheering each, uh, the other characters on plus you've got the enemies chatting as well and it's just like a wall of noise um and that and the fact that you know in as can be the case in quite a lot of jrpgs the clothing choice that they've given some of the female characters is less than practical for a, <laughs> for combat shall we say probably more suited to the beach um so uh, it's it's not perfect um not by a long shot but it's it does it does some really interesting things it's got it's got an incredibly complicated battle system that took me maybe 20 hours to fully understand uh, but once you do get the the hang of it and it doesn't explain it very well you'll get like like uh, you're in a battle and like some tooltips will come up and it'll explain something very complicated to you and then you click to dismiss that, and then it won't ever tell you it again. And so I had to end up going off and watching like a YouTube video to figure out the intricacies of the combat and and whatnot. Um, but once you get into it, once you get into the nitty gritty, it's like it's actually really, really cool, really interesting battle system. Um, which you know for a JRPG is kind of like the one thing that you want it to do. Um, aside from having an interesting story, and it, it's got a pretty good story. I haven't seen the end of it yet, but. I've I've enjoyed it so far. Uh, I mean, I want to carry on playing it once I see the final credits roll, and I want to play the DLC and uh, do some more side content and and whatnot. So uh, I'm enjoying it. It's 
one of the better JRPGs I've played in recent years, I've got to say. Yeah. Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I've been chipping away on that. Um, last time I checked, I'd put in like 45 or 50 hours and I've uncovered less than half of the map. I don't know how far through the story I am, but I've spent the last, I don't know how long, I played it all of yesterday. I hadn't, didn't have anything to do yesterday. So I sat and played it all day. And pre- pretty much all I was doing was traveling through the areas of the map that I had uncovered and just traveling from question mark to question mark just to reveal what that was. Uh, because... <laughs> This is mostly the game's fault, but also partially my fault because of the way my brain works. Like, I can't have question marks on the map. I need to know what they are. <laughs> even if I don't then, even if like it was like an enemy encampment, I'd go there, uncover it, be like, cool, that's an enemy encampment. I'll just move on now. I, I haven't actually done any of the activities that I've been discovering. I've just been <laughs> discovering them. And then there's, there's just far too much to do in that game. Which... It's a it's a weird thing to criticize a game for to have too much content, but it does. It's it's the same problem that I had with um, and you 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 probably go along with this as well. Um, Dragon Age Inquisition. Yeah. Uh, the it's called the the hinterlands. Yeah. The first area you go into. Oh yeah. Like what you're supposed to do really is go in there do a few side missions, do the main story stuff that you need to do and get out. Yeah. But there is so much stuff to do in that in that area. You could spend, you know, you could spend 10, 15, maybe even 20 hours even more. just I, in the hinterlands, I did. I did. just doing side missions and exploring and stuff like that. And then find that there are, there are another, you know, 20 areas that are each as big as that in the game. And at a certain point, you just, you just have to resign yourself to being like, I can't do all of this. I have to move on. I think there was a mistake we made with Dragon Age. I yeah. admit that they wanted people out of the hinterlands, but they put too much in the hinterlands. Yeah. So people thought, oh, this is the area we're meant to be exploring, and then not realising that you, when you progress the story, you were unlocking other areas. Yeah. So I did this, the same problem I had with, with that as I'm having with uh, Odysseys. I guess. You start off on one of the Greek islands, one of the smaller ones, and I did everything I could do on that island before I moved on. And then you move on to w- one part of the mainland, and it's all divided up into regions. And I started doing all of the side content there, and then I realized that like I'm like 20 hours into this game, and I've done nothing. Like I've just been doing side content busy work and I'm now out leveling the the main story content. Now luckily you can go into the menu and set it so that uh, stuff that you would normally be under leveled for, uh, you can set it so that it will bring it up to your level so you're never overpowered for stuff, which is good. Mm. Uh, because like um, the combat is actually quite good in that game. Um, it, the same as it was in, in Odyssey. It's it, kind of borrows a bit from dark souls it's nowhere near as tight uh, as like a dark souls or bloodborne sort of thing but it's got a good combat system uh especially in the in odyssey because they took away the shields that were in assassin's creed origins uh so it's now you can block but you're supposed to parry parry most attacks and dodge the ones that you can't parry um but yeah there's just there's just too much like what what mainline content I've done and, so, and quite a lot of the side missions and stuff have been interesting and I like the historical aspect of you kind of being tangentially at least involved in the Peloponnesian War um, which means that in my 
sort of my fan fiction version of the ancient world in my save file <laughs> i can write the wrongs of the peloponnesian war and and win it for the athenians rather than the proto-fascist spartans um i won't get into why i hate the spartans so <laughs> we'll talk about that on another podcast andy um Sparta. but uh, f- the spartans they were they were racial purists like they um, <laughs> obsessed with with warfare. That basically everything that 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 went on to signify fascism in the twentieth century. You can mm. draw a direct line back to Sparta. F- them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 a really really good game. Um, it's it's I just don't think it's as tight as um, as Origins was. Mm. Um, Origins already had a massive map with too much bloat and too much content but at least there was like large areas of desert where there was there wasn't anything to do um there weren't endless... well, it was egypt yeah yeah <laughs> um <laughs> but it, it was just a little bit tighter uh, yeah. i think um there's there, there's too much flab in um in uh, uh odyssey uh but it, but they brought back the naval combat which is one of my favorite uh you know aspects of assassin's creed games it's why black flag is still my favorite of those games uh and it's why i'm really looking forward to that skull and bones or whatever it's called the ubisoft yeah. pirate game that's yeah. coming out late this year. Is it uh, this year apparently mm-hmm. I haven't heard anything about it for a while, but apparently it's this year. I signed up ages ago on an email for a closed beta, and then nobody's heard anything since. So I don't know, but it's been it's been made by Ubisoft um, in um, Singapore, I think it is. Yeah, the Black Flag, the team that did the the naval combat aspects of, of Black Flag. But yeah, the naval combat in this is is good. The characters are good. The story is good. You get just the right amount of historical accuracy. With just a little dash of of you know Greek mythology, there are there are mythological creatures in there. That there is the Minotaur, there is the Cyclops, there are sirens and so on. And uh, for anyone who you know grew up marveling, you know the tales of of uh, Greek mythology. There's just enough in there to make it you know uh, entertaining, but also a decent amount of actual real world history in there as well. So uh, it's 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 good. It's just there's too much. This is yeah. far too much. Yeah, the, the two games I did want to actually talk about are... Uh, so I picked up Dreams Early Access. Um, now, I've been talking about this game for a while. It's ever since uh, EGX last year when I finally got hands on it and went back to the, the Dreams area like three or four times over the weekend and played through every single game that was on it. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know what it is, it's the new Media Molecule game. Uh, the people behind Little Big Planet and Tearaway, uh, but it, rather than being a game, it's a game creation game. Um, so it's it's a suite of tools um, to be able to you can sculpt items, uh, 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 create characters, environments, uh, assets, weapons, whatever you want for a game. Um, then you can program logic into them. You can then create music and you can put them all together to build an entire game. And from the looks of it, it's really quite approachable and easy to do. So there are, I picked it up uh, on the, the first day and downloaded it. And there were 
a whole host of games that have been created by people who got into the closed beta. And the closed beta was only open for six weeks. Uh, and in that space of time, like the, the sheer variety of games, uh, not counting the ones that Media Molecule themselves had made, because uh, they've you know been playing around this game for ages. Um, but like people who got into the beta, like the sheer scope of games that these people had made in that six week period from like racing and drift uh, car drifting games to a kind a sort of elder scrolls game text adventures flight sims shmups um platformers some things that weren't even games they were just visual sort of stories um people recreating <laughs> you know uh, bits of Mario and and uh, Zelda games and, uh, and and whatnot. Someone is uh, trying to remake the entirety of the PT demo in um, in Dreams and doing a pretty good job of it so far. Uh, I haven't got around to sitting down and actually doing much with the creation tools yet because you've got to kind of sit there and go through a bunch of tutorials that teach you how to how to sculpt and then how to uh, you know how to create say like a, a a character and then how to program that how that character moves how they react to things how things in the world react to them how you would create a level um and how you will you know create the the music and everything for that i mean the, the music uh element is the one part of the game that i already kind of understand the basics of because it's something i've done outside of this game uh, but I've only just I've just been playing the games that other people have made so far, and I've been blown away by just the 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 sheer variety and the quality of games that people managed to make in just a few weeks uh, with this with the software. And I'm just I I'm, I can't wait to see what stuff comes out of it in the future. Uh, and also, this could this has the potential to be a sort of gateway to people who would have possibly who, who were interested in game development but might not have otherwise gotten into it um it could be a pretty decent learning tool for people um, so is it going to be like little big planet where is it better than that is it better well than little big planet you can only really make platformers mm. uh dreams you can make anything pretty oh. much anything uh, you could make an entire film Mm. Uh, people have made first-person survival horror games. Someone's trying to make a third-person tactical shooter. Uh, I've played um, 2D and 3D platformers, um, 3D uh, flights, like space combat simulators. Uh, someone's uh, working, making like a you know a Guitar Hero style rhythm action game. Yeah, there's, there's basically any, pretty much any genre of video game that you could think of, seems to be possible in Dreams with with that with a handful of tools, and in a client that only takes up like two and a half gigs. Wow. Like there are no, there's no textures or anything like that in in the game. Uh, everything is created. Yeah, you you everything is created by by the users and then when you go to play other players levels uh, apparently it doesn't download the game Ooh. it's just the the cloud tells your client every brush stroke every piece of logic and every piece of music and everything that they put into the game and it just recreates it in your client Ooh. and so the loading times between 
finding a game and being able to play it. So you, you don't download it. You just click on it and you start playing it. Yeah. It's kind of insane. I, 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 I know this game's been in development for a long time, but it, it genuinely is really, really kind of breathtaking how how robust uh, all the aspects of it are so far and it's not even it's not even finished it's not even fully out yet this is just the, the early access stuff i don't even know how much extra stuff is going to be in the full game uh, i'm just i can't wait to see what people do with it people who are more creative than i am shall we say <laughs> i'm going to stick to doing stuff that i i'm trying i'm going to tr- i'm trying my hand at the moment from to make um the sequel to Star Wars Pod Racer that we never got. Um, <laughs> Apart from we did, we did. We got. We, we, there was a sequel on PS2. Sorry, there was a PS2 sequel that wasn't Pod Racer. It was. It had the Pod Racer Revenge or something. No, it was called um, Super Bombad Racing. No, is that what you're on about? Star Wars uh, Racer Revenge. Oh, okay, 2002. All right, yeah, 2002. 2002 it's been 17 years since we had a pod racer have you seen that someone's making a remake of it in unreal i i did not know that yeah right. some, someone's uh, well i guess yeah. i'll abandon my project then because someone's <laughs> <laughs> i mean by all means make it in dreams as well but and there's no there's, there's probably no chance that i'll actually make it I, i'm probably just going to stick to making you know uh, a few assets, items, and music, and things like that, because that's one of the other cool things about it. It's like in, pre- in previous like level creation games, you kind of you would have to make the whole thing yourself. Like in Super Mario Maker, you can't collaborate with other players, and you couldn't, as far as I'm aware, in um, Little Big Planet. But in Dreams, uh, you the whole thing you can collaborate with, you know, umpteen people on a project like one person could be making the environments the other person could be making the characters one other person could be doing the logic and programming it and another person doing the music uh and every you can just pull items say you need like you're making a, a hack and slash game um i played actually one one very kind of hilarious first person really loose physics hack and slash gladiator game in it it was kind of funny but if say you were making something like that and you needed a sword you can search for swords and you'll find a whole bunch of swords other people have played you pull one of those into your game and then that person will be credited in your game so you can so run full credits and um everyone who who's contributed music items anything to the game will be listed in there so you can collaborate with you know however many people you need to to complete the games you can make full-on like functional uh, in-game menus for the games as well with like options and what and and whatnot it's 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 bonkers it blows my mind that there's so much that you can do in this game and it all works and it's all in such a tiny package and it's made by pretty small studio media molecules not a very big studio Really, it's like mm. fifty people, I think, um, and they've managed to make this thing that I don't know. It just kind of opens up the doors to to people to be able to do more with their creativity than just making you know platform levels or well. To, to be honest, even in Little Big Planet, people managed to make like working calculators and stuff like that. So who knows what they're going to be able to do in this game? It's kind of I, I I'm just looking forward to seeing what the community can come up with uh, and the only other game i've been playing is a game called uh far loan sales um 
I won't say too much about it. If you, if you want to know full thoughts about it, there's a review up on on lapsgamer.com. But it's it's a uh, if you ever played Limbo or uh, Inside, it's that sort of game. It's not made by the same studio. It's made by a Swiss studio called Okomotion. Um, and it's you play a little character, and you need to travel from the left hand side of the screen to the right hand side of the screen constantly, just like in Inside and Limbo. Uh, but this one is you're traveling across a sort of post-apocalyptic wasteland, like a Mad Max-style hellscape, really, um, of a the 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 bottom of a dried-up ocean, and you do the whole thing in this sort of like land ship. And so you're running around in the in the like uh, when you're inside, you get like a cross section of the ship, and you're running around, feeding fuel to the engine, um, pushing on red buttons to, to to operate all the machinery to make the thing go, to release steam so that it doesn't build up, to uh, raise and lower the sails, to apply the brakes you need to stop, to um, put out fires and repair the bits of the of, of the craft and then every now and then you'll you'll come across some sort of obstacle which will need you to do some some like puzzling and stuff like that it's like it's that sort of game but it's also not that sort of game because in limbo and inside you're always in some sort of peril from you know a big spider or something like that that's chasing you there's always some sort of horror and some sort of enemy and in far loan sales there's none of that there's nothing really apart from two or three moments in the game when you're in danger from the elements uh, there's never any real danger uh, you're just completely alone for like three or four hours you just travel across this wasteland you never come across another character um, you never find any audio logs or anything from another character. It's just you and this craft, and it's well. Um, it left quite an impression on me at the end, like in in a way that that Limbo and Inside were both amazing games, but none of them quite had the same effect on me that this game had. Like I had to kind of put when the, when the credits were at the end, I put the controller down and just sat there and was like, huh, and sat and just thought about it for a while. And then carried on thinking about it for a good few hours after I'd finished playing it. Um, and then a couple of days later, went back and played it again. And I've never had any like impulse to want to play any of those other sort of games over again. Like Limbo, Inside, and um, Little Nightmares, uh, and games like that. Um, where maybe the, the, well, there's more to it in those games. Possibly more scope for replay, I don't know. Everything, the, the, everything that happens in Far Lone Sales, the, the, there's there is a set way to beat each puzzle, and you're on a one path. There is no nothing that will change by replaying it. But I still, it was so haunting and kind of beautiful in a weird sort of way. Like the the when you're traveling, there's moments when you're traveling on the wasteland. Like most of the way through, you're traveling uh, under steam power. But occasionally the wind will pick up and you can shut down the engines and raise the sails and just get pushed along by the wind. And then for these brief periods, there's nothing to do. is just watch the scenery go past. And you're just watching this rickety wooden, you know, big wheeled thing traveling down a what was the, the, the bottom of an ocean with like the hulls of rusting ships in the background and 
um, you know, quite minimalist soundtrack playing. And it sounds, if you try and describe it like that, really, really boring, but it's really kind of amazing. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how, how, what else to say about it. It's 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 an incredible game, um, and you should definitely check it out. It's coming to Switch later this year, apparently. It's on PS4, Xbox One, and PC at the moment, and it costs about, you know, £11 on those platforms. Um, it's coming to Switch later, and I, I'm kind of, I'd probably buy it again. Like the the version I got, um, I, I didn't buy the version I got. I got it from the, the developer, but I enjoyed it that much that I'm I want to chip some money into it. So I'll probably buy it when it comes out on Switch. Like it, it's the best game I've played this year. I'll say that. Whoa. So far, I know we're not that far into the year, but it's the best game I've played this year so far. So yeah, check it out. It's it's amazing. Um, but if you want to know my full thoughts about it, there's a review up on on the on the on the website. Should we end this? Like this podcast's gone on way long. We were going to talk about the the, the PlayStation Five sort of reveal stuff, but we've we ended up talking about video games Ooh. for an hour and twenty minutes. So um... yeah. <laughs> another time. I knew there's been about yeah. four new consoles. I remember there's the Capcom one. There's the new Xbox. <sighs> that Capcom one looks so. Bad. Capcom. Yeah, Capcom. Uh, uh, Capcom are bringing out, you know, like the PlayStation Classic uh, or the SNES Classic and things like that. Capcom yeah. are bringing one out, which is a giant Perspex Capcom logo with um, two sets of you know fight stick and buttons built in. When did they announce this? Um, earlier this week or yeah. the end of last week? Like, Are you week. sure it wasn't the first of April? No, no, it's a real no, thing. No, it's a real thing. Christ. It's a real thing. It's got and aliens it, versus predator on it. It costs yeah, it costs a lot of money. Two hundred pounds. And it's just an emulate. It's Ooh. just like yeah, it's just a big perspex version of the Capcom logo, which is just the word Capcom, <laughs> um, with fights. You know, a couple of arcade sticks, and it's like Ooh. you know, it's the decent. That they're they're Sanwa parts, like you get on a proper decent fight stick. Um, <clears throat> but then it's just emulated versions of. A handful of Capcom fighting games that you can already get elsewhere for far less money. Hmm. Apart from Aliens vs Predator, you can't get that anywhere. No, you can't get that anywhere. No, no, that is difficult to get hard off. But uh, that then, thing looks dumb. Uh, yeah. The discless Xbox One is uh, seems like a pretty good idea. Uh, it's, you know, especially if you're going to go, if you're going to combine that with Game Pass. Yeah, uh, price of it seems pricey though. Two hundred quid. Yeah, it's quite yeah. You can get the Xbox One disc version for two hundred quid. Yeah, I, I was kind of expecting maybe like 150, 150 or yeah. maybe even less than that, or maybe 200 with a year of Game Pass or something. Mm. Yeah, but, you know. And and yeah, there's, there's PlayStation 5 stuff coming out. SSD, ray tracing, backwards compatibility. It's not blah, SSD, blah, blah. have we got told earlier? Oh yeah, sorry. Um, have we got time for you for you to explain, <laughs> Nick, what, what it... Yeah, so essentially, they've not said what it is, but Mark Cerny has said it is not an SSD, which leads me to think that it is uh, an NVMe chip, which is essentially, it's faster than an SSD, it's flash memory on board, it's the fastest um, storage you can get, but it is super expensive. So what that leads me to think is that there is just a big normal hard drive like you've got in your current PS4 Mm -hmm. or Xbox. Uh, So maybe a two or three terabyte one of those because they're dirt cheap these Mm days. Then when you load up a game or your X-Many latest games 
just get copied onto the super fast chip. So maybe that's like a 512 meg, um, not meg, 512 gig or, or something. Um, so then certain games get copied onto there, the ones that are currently being played. Uh, which then makes it so that it's even faster than the SSD to load. I don't know. We'll we'll find out at some point in the next few months. People have I'm said sure. it's super fast. So yeah, uh, we also it's probably going to be sort of um, autumn 2020, and it's going to be a little bit more expensive than PlayStation 4 was at launch, which was 350 quid. So we're speculating somewhere between 400, 450, maybe even 500. I don't think they go quite that high, but probably between yeah. 400 and 450 quid, which is a lot. I mean, if it makes we happy few load in a minute as opposed to two <laughs> minutes, then uh, yeah, be worth it. <laughs> maybe the, yeah, It's not out until uh, towards the end of next year, and maybe by then they'll have finished we happy few. <laughs> you, you hope so. Anyway, we've rambled far too much. Uh, I'm going to go and watch the Meg again. Are you? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not even. I'm that mad. Uh, as always, go and check out uh, Twitter page for short hundred, two hundred, however many characters ramblings um, at Laps Gamer on Twitter. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you can do it via that, or you can send us emails to lapsgamerradio at gmail.com Head on over to the uh, Laps Gamer Radio YouTube channel. See videos that are probably far too long about puzzle games and hard games and i'll have a video review version of the file and sales review up there as well and head on over to the um the website lapsgamer.com for the written review file and sales and um andy's sort of little preview of april even though the month was almost over yeah do you remember at the beginning of the month when we thought hellboy might be good yeah i see um, <laughs> Uh, it's too late to go back and change that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we still got the Avengers. Yeah, we still got that. That that might be good. <laughs> we hope. <laughs> Maybe. Anyway. Um, yeah. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Yep. Ta-ra. So long. <laughs>